bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Erica. And today we are joined by Minister Marcy Ian. And she is the Minister for Women and Gender Equality and Youth and serves as the Member of Parliament for Toronto Centre. Prior to entering politics, Minister Ian worked in journalism as a reporter for CTV News and as an anchor on Canada AM, a show I watched as a child. So did uh, I. Most recently, she was a co-host for CTV's morning talk show, The Social. Welcome, Minister. I'm so glad you could join us. Erin and Erica, finally, it's great to be with you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We chatted and I first I first saw you at Circle Square. Yes. Back in the early 80s. Yes. And I even pulled up the intro and I saw your fabulous hair. (laughs) And um, by the way, you were the best dressed on that show, which proves that you had West Indian parents anyway. uh, (laughs) But also my parent, my parents used to pick out. Um, people like reputable black people for me to like to like inspire me and stuff and you were one of them so I feel like I grew up with you oh boy that's That's really lovely thank you no it's true they did they they'd be like okay look see there's more in other words you can do it too kind of thing yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, yeah. And it's interesting. They that always you, picked out representation. That's, always. and th- that's great parenting. And, and I try to do the same with my kids, right? I have a girl and a boy, but I'll tell you in journalism at that time. And for the 25 years that I was in it, I, I was a first in many of the rooms that I was in. Mm-hmm. And so I knew um, walking into those rooms and working in those spaces that there were others watching. And that meant a lot to me. And, you know, it's the pressure, uh, you know, as a black woman, as a woman of color that you put on yourself, because for me, it meant I had to be better researched than most. I had to be better prepared than most. I couldn't make the mistakes that others could make. And so that was a huge and always has been, frankly, because I've always thought, well, people are watching and not just people are watching. It's who's next, who's coming next, who's Mm -hmm. pulling up alongside me, who do I have to make sure that the door stays open for? Mm -hmm. So if it's going to stay open, I have to come correct. I've got to get it right. That's a really interesting point. And I think an overlooked point, because, you know, we talk about making sure that we can, you know, get in the door, get our foot in the door as women of color. And it's actually also about keeping the door open uh, and like fighting against um, all the things that are coming at us, but also annoyingly and frustratingly and um, doing it in such a way where we are demonstrating value, but not kind of a little bit, you know, playing to the patriarchy, right? We don't want to be too much that they then we, they then close the door for whoever comes after. Well, that's the thing in my mind, it was, well, we tried this mercy woman, we tried and it didn't work out so well. So that's it. We're not Mm -hmm. doing this again. In my mind, I wanted to keep that door wide open. So how do you, um, I, I guess you're, what you're going to do is, is take some of those principles and apply them to politics because 
as you know, I mean, it's a hard road out there for black women in politics. It's a hard road out there, Erica, period. Yeah. Black women. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and we've we've seen the like (laughs) we've seen how the mighty are falling. And I got to say, I I don't know. I personally, you know, don't want to run for anything. But for those who do and feel like they can make a difference in that space, how do we open up that door for others? I guess is the question. Yeah. Well, we show them that it can be done. And it's the reason that I ran. It's the reason I ran. I, I was fine where I was. I had a good job. Um, I thought I was using my microphone well, mm-hmm. but it, it got to a point, and this happened after, after George Floyd. And remember, it wasn't just George Floyd. It was Ahmaud Arbery. There was just a succession yes. of things, yes. right, that happened. Yes. And, yes. and I was sitting there um, doing a talk show, and as the only Black woman on the panel talking about my experiences and how I felt about all of this and this reckoning and all of this. And I couldn't help but think, how can I do this better? Like, is this all that I can do? Mm-hmm. And that's what led to, to the by-election run because I wanted to show that this is possible, but I also felt it important to have a voice like mine at the table to bring my lived experience to the table. It's like when you wrote the, um, I believe you wrote the op-ed in the Globe about yes. getting stopped. Yes. And and that was before George Floyd. That was way before George Floyd. That was like 2016 or something. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I remember thinking, first of all, I didn't. <laughs> I was. I don't know why I was surprised that you wrote it. I wasn't surprised that you experienced it. I I just I just think that it was an important yours was an important voice to add because in a way you you're still Canadiana in a way if you think about Canada because you just had such a long media history you know Canada AM and the social and and you covered the Olympics and we saw you every day and so to us we're like oh she made it she made it and that's why I wrote it and there you go yeah, and, was- and Erica, that's and and Aaron, that's that's why I wrote it. And yeah, I have I- to tell you, on the other side of that, I'll just quickly say, I have had, I've never had more hate, mm-hmm. more vitriol come my way via social media. People saying we liked you a lot better when you just shut up and read a prompter. Yeah, we liked you a lot better when you didn't talk about race. All you talk about is race. Yeah, you know who do you think you are? You think you're special and you're lying and you're this and you're that. It was it was brutal, and mm-hmm. I was absolutely on my yeah. own. I didn't have a network behind me. Everybody right. backed off. It was just me out there. And yet to this day, I'm so happy I wrote it. No regrets. It's it's just like you know when women are reporting sexual assaults and you know intimate partner violence and people are saying oh well she's just doing it for media attention she's doing it for all of these other reasons that aren't real because this is a whole bunch of lies and yeah, yeah. through your experience though not on the same issue you receive the same amount of vitriol and abuse yeah probably more so because she dares to talk about race and There's that's the thing there's, There's something, something about, about that race there yes. is that yes. sets people off. And yeah. I, I, um, I've had a lot of discussions uh, with, you know, other other journalists, um, journalists of color. 
And, and we talk about that, you know, actually being vocal. And I call it, you know, the good black syndrome. Yes. It's fine. It's fine when you're quiet. And it's fine when you, you know, are part of a situation where, you know, diversity is important, and you check that box and all those things. But the minute you start to speak up, the minute you start to make others uncomfortable, yeah, it's a completely different thing. But I would also say that that's when you know you're doing the right thing because you're causing all of that, right? Mm-hmm. That discomfort is a good thing because that's when we get the truth out on the table. So how are we going to talk about race and like in your current position, carrying on that? Uh, we already thread. are. So here's what I want to tell you. Okay. Here's what I want to tell you. I was approached to run. Mm-hmm. I had conversations with the prime minister and I will share this, this tidbit with you. I, I did say, you know who I am, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about because I was on the social at that time and it was no holes barred. This was not mm-hmm. CTV national news. This was opinion based, as you know. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, you know, the voice that I have and how I'm using it, especially during that time when mm-hmm. all of that was happening, people were marching in the streets every night across the globe. I said, this is the voice I have. You know how I'm using that voice. Mm-hmm. And you know how loud I am about these issues. And I was in the midst of helping to produce a special on race for CTV. Like there's all sorts of things mm-hmm. going on. And he said, yeah. And that's what, that's what we need. That's what's necessary. And so it isn't even how do I start to talk about race? It's what I've been doing from the get-go. So whether it is, and this is before becoming a minister, whether it's been stock takes where I talked freely about my police stop, I talked Mm -hmm. freely about my career, I told stories about, you know, systemic things, Mm -hmm. Um, asking my executives how I could be them, how I could make it into the C-suite, because I'd never seen anybody that looked like me do that, and talking about the difference between racial and gender equality because they're different Mm -hmm. because every boss that I had in my journalism career most of them I would say 95% of them were female and white Mm -hmm. and that is not this right Mm -hmm. so there's gender there's gender equality but racial equality is an entirely different thing so bringing those experiences Erica and Erin to the fore and now to the cabinet table is what I'm there for it's what I do it's it's all that I know I would say that historically wage has not centered race. To hear the rest of our conversation with Minister Marcy Ian, head to badbitchypodcast.substack.com and become a subscriber for as low as $7 a month. Catch you next time.